Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh, thanks, Tony. Inside access on 100. Oh, Copper just jumped up. Sorry, bud. <laughs> on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Uh, we're on from 2 to 6 every day, talking a ton of NFL, not just the Ravens, but yes, we are. Oh, boy. We do talk a lot about the Ravens. Um, it's amazing. I'm on for four hours every day, Tone, and you don't hear Copper bark at all when I'm up in the attic. But right now in the living room, we've got plenty of Copper. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So, apropos of that... Mark got Copper. A, yeah, I've got a dog barking all the time. Jesse, in the last X amount of months, has just started barking. They're, they're barks that I thought were barks of play with me, but now they're just annoying, right? They're just all the time. It's been since I've, I've been get coming her over more regularly, and then yes. the boys come over, and when Walker just point blank says to you, I don't like Chessie. Right. I'm afraid of, I've never heard him verbalize something so clearly. I'm afraid of Chessie. So I need, no. I actually need to get a trainer. I need to get a trainer. It's a little late for that. No, no. My daughter says, Elizabeth says, it's not late. You no, can I'm not talking about dog. the dog. I'm talking about you. Oh, well, I want to get a trainer now. I want someone to, to get her to stop barking and get her to um, respond to the Frisbee game to just drop the Frisbee so I can throw the next Frisbee instead of collecting all the Frisbees. That seems a little bit harder, but the barking thing and the paying attention doesn't seem to be that hard. Elizabeth yesterday was dealt with her for an hour or less than an hour and got her to sit and got her to kneel down and got her to wait for things because she's trained her own two dogs and she is justifiably critical of me. And well, I accept Well, Jesse that. wants that order. She was trained when we this first is, rescued This is Elizabeth's her. entire position on dogs, that they are looking for structure and looking for order and want that. And it's, you know, that I have... I have been a miscreant in this. Now, I the, accept the that. hammer on the other He loves hand the dog. Follows the dog endlessly, and, the, and he just goes around, well, Henry, what does the dog say? Bark, bark. No, just points <laughs> no he was great. He was great. We had a lovely dinner last night. Elizabeth made brisket. I was tempted to call it pot roast, but I knew she would correct me. She brought all these breads that she had made. She made this incredible, she made potato pancakes, latkes, which were great. And she made this incredible dessert of apples and blueberries, a crisp Sort of like, I think that's called in some restaurants, Brown Betty. I think that's the crumbly top is called that. But I'm not, have you ever had that, Nigel? I've had Blossom Endrod, but I've never had that. Blossom Endrod is different. Sean, have you ever had that? It's like a, it's fruit and it's layered on top with oats and with sugar. And it's really good. I don't it's really, think it's so. It's really good. It's really good. All right. So let me get to the show. Let me get to a couple of things. I, I, to me... Wilbon will clearly want to talk about the NBA, and that's fine. I'm not going to talk about the Preakness. The race looked great, but I didn't honestly watch it, and I just watched highlights. And, and you know how I think about it. Now we've had three different winners in the Triple Crown, so I don't really care about that. Nor am I going to talk about Sergio Garcia winning for the first time in a long time. On Maybe the since Tour. the Masters? Yeah. Putting with his eyes closed. With his eyes closed? Eyes closed. Wow. I, yeah, trying to free up the stroke. Wow, that is weird. That's weird. I think we have to talk about, since we spend time gambling, I think we have to talk about Cam Newton testing positive. We assume this is a positive test and it's been repeated. Testing positive for coronavirus and clearly not going to play. That game was moved from yesterday. It is apparently going to be played tonight pending, I would think, results of tests with the rest of the Patriots. Right? Wouldn't you think that? 
that they have to but test. It still seems like you'd be in the window where something could pop up tomorrow. I mean, you even look at from the debate last week, Biden's releasing tests every day. That I understand that, but I think for for the NFL's right. purposes, they're just going to wait until today and see what happens. But if you take Cam Newton out of the lineup and you were the Patriots were getting seven, am I right on this, Nigel? The Patriots were getting seven before? Get, getting seven at, at Kansas, Kansas City. City. That's right. They'd be getting 14 with Steny Hoyer or Jared Stitham. <laughs> They're going to get 14. So, so if that bet is made and both Jeff Ma and Chuck Todd made that bet, and took New England with the seven. I, I just, I, I don't think you can do that. What do you think? I'm sure Belichick had a plan for this as he was chomping down on a cold cut combo. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the subway sandwich. <laughs> um, I just think we have to you forget have to it. it off. An odd thing happened yesterday with a seven and a half point line. That was a um, Jeff Ma had it at seven and pushed, and Chuck, Chuck Todd had it. had it at seven and a half and lost. He had no. He had six and a half. See, was it the Seattle game? Was hmm. it, the Se- it was one of the one o'clock games. That is for sure. It was the Chargers. Yeah. Jeff Ma had the Chargers plus seven at Tampa Bay. It ended at seven, so he went even. Chuck Todd had Tampa Bay with the Chargers getting seven and a half, so he lost. And that's gambling, kids. Depending on when you get the line, that's the bet you have to make. How'd Brady play yesterday? Brady played great. Brady Second had five. Yeah. He had a pick six again, but he had five touchdown passes. Um, what's his name? Played played great. Dak Prescott had five hundred yards and four touchdowns, and they lost again. Which brings me to this other point. Odell plays great against. Yeah, Odell Beckham played great, and including a, an end around, which was the clinching score, which looked like he could be trapped in the backfield for a ten yard loss. But this brings me to the NFC East. The NFC East is pathetic. I mean, the NFC least, beast? Yeah. The, is, that, is that a Kevin word? Is that a Kevin word? Um, the, the leader right now are the 1-2-1 one, and one Philadelphia Eagles. They won last night. They, they were, again, they're playing San Francisco, but it's not San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's San Francisco with Moon Mullins. It's a guy who can't play. He just can't play. And they had to get him out of the game. So... Philadelphia wins that game, probably saving Carson Wentz for a week in Philadelphia. They win that game. But they are now leading in the NFC East at 1-2-1. And, and they're, one of their losses is to Washington, which hasn't beaten anybody else. So that's a terrible loss. The Cowboys are 1-3 and three and should be 0-4. The Giants are 0-4. And not and trying to win. Will be 0-16. <laughs> they're terrible. I've never seen a division this bad. And that was that division was the best in football for many, many years. It's awful. It seems to be cycling lower and lower. Just, I mean, I know you had the Eagles win the Super Bowl, but man, these uh, these quarterback vacancies just are leaving big holes here. It's absolutely awful. Just awful. Um, so I, I want to take a small survey here. Nigel, last night in the conflict between the basketball game and the football game, a basketball of the NBA Finals and just a regular normal football game. Not even that attractive a game because Garoppolo's not playing in it. What did you right. watch? I watched Tin Men with Richard Dreyfuss oh, and Danny DeVito. So you, you cashed out on both of those. Sean, what did you watch? Uh, Lovecraft Country. 
Okay, so you did not watch. Michael, what did you watch? Do you want? want me to tell the truth? Yeah, what did you watch? All right, so while the boys were settling, I watched that the opening 30, 40 minutes of That Thing You Do. Oh, it's such a great movie. Slow oh, down. yeah. It's, it's, a, love yeah, it's a ballad. Oh, yeah. And then we, uh, we went to the DVR and watched the opening, uh, the opening SNL from Saturday Night to see Jim Carrey. So you didn't watch? I'm e- sorry. I followed it on my phone, but I I wanted wow. to watch that SNL before this week. So I watched a little bit of the basketball and switched over to a little bit of the football, and then and then just said, "That's it. I'm out." Well, you got to see one of the greatest underdogs win, right, in the NBA Finals history. It's you know I'm 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 anxious. I'm actually anxious to hear what Mike has to say because I didn't think that they could win without two starters, and Jimmy Butler willed them to win. Jimmy Butler played great, and Jimmy Butler is Wilbon's favorite player in the NBA because he was in Chicago at some point, and he loves him, and I, I assume that he'll be rhapsodic about Butler. Uh, but I, I've said this before, much to the laughter of people. I think Miami's a better team than the Lakers. Better team. Better I think team, the Lakers have right. the two best people. I think the Lakers will win, and I think LeBron will. I, I think they'll lose this game and then win two in a row. But I do think that Miami... Because they don't have that kind of greatness among two players, I think that Miami is a better... You watch Miami, that seems to be... Butler is allowed to do what he wants. He has earned that. But he's also very team-oriented, it seems to me. He's not a three-point shooter. He's not a ball hog. He goes to the basket to get fouled, and he gets fouled. And everybody else seems to know what they're doing and seems to accept a limited partnership. When you, see, you, you see what he does at the end of the game is he's going down the handshake line and you see him mouthing, they're in trouble now, they're in trouble, they're in trouble. Yeah. Now that you're down to the final two, does the, the lack of any home court change the rhythm? I mean, this was the first time LeBron got the 2-0 lead in the finals. Now you see... But they've only lost, they, this has only lost a total of three games or four games. They yeah, no, one I know that, series. but I'm, traditionally you might look at this and say like, okay, that was, the, that was sort of a punt game, let's try and rebound because we we're, we're going to win this season at home where we want to obviously win this at in LA, but now that you don't have that, is there a chance that this can continue? Yes. Just sort of change? Yes. I think that the home court does make a difference. I don't know how much quantitatively, but I think it does. I think it does make a difference, but I also think that they've, you know, I think that LeBron, the Anthony Davis had no game. You know, Anthony Davis has been touted. If you read stories, you see every NBA person saying, oh, Anthony Davis, it's his team. Anthony Davis, he's the MVP. Well, he's not, he's not, he had no game. You know, LeBron didn't have a great game, but did more than Anthony Davis. But again, I mean, these are all, I guess these are questions for Wilbon, as are questions about the, the Bears. Bears stunk, Oof. right? Admit it. You take a perverse pleasure when the Bears lose. But I thought and they, Nick Foles I thought they wasn't figured everything out at quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know how that works. And not only that, but in baseball, and we'll have, we'll have Jeff Passan on later, in baseball, all the teams from the Midwest are out. They're all out. Yeah, that's right. They're all out. Well, Chicago ran into the double play. First round out. Chicago, wild Milwaukee. Card Let's call it the wild card. Whatever. St. Louis. How Toronto. Were there? Cleveland. Toronto, of course, in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> Midwestern sensibilities all out. So, all right. We will. Um, that's it, right? I'm, I'm glad you were finally able to figure out how to plug in the headphones. Oh, I oh. called Sean last night. I because uh, the the screen went blank, and I didn't know what to do. And he walked me through it. There was, you know, the, something something was not plugged in. If everything is plugged in, there's a button you push. It's called which, the power button. Is that what it's called, the power button? Uh, and it starts everything. 
And so I was able to do that with well, Sean's this morning help. I find and you talking normally this, normally before the show you always go okay Sean can you play something for me right and as you talk to the microphone I find you sitting at Uncle Benny's table just by yourself with a dangling headphone jack oh I didn't know yeah so then Michael put you put it well I plugged it in hot shot you put it in the wrong one first I was testing okay and then you put it in the right one yeah and then we had suddenly we had power and we had wonder and it was great so I'm happy about that I did, I did have one question. I, I don't know if you're going to talk about this with Wilbon or with Jeff, but um, the passing of Bob Gibson on Friday, I've, I oh, felt up, no. up until his death that he still could have given you three, maybe four outs if you needed them. I, okay, I will say this about the passing of Bob Gibson. On Friday on the PTI show, our anniversary was the 17 strikeout performance, the highest amount of strikeouts ever in a World Series yeah. that he had in 1968 against Denny McLean, which was a matchup between a guy with the greatest earned run average in the last 50 or 60 years, Bob Gibson, 1.12, and Denny McLean, a guy with the greatest amount of wins in the last 50 or 60 years, if not more than that, 31. Gibson beat him for nothing. Uh, ultimately, Detroit won the World Series because Mickey Lolich won three games. But we talked about that. I wrote a script about that. And also the second highest amount of strikeouts in a World Series is Sandy Koufax. And I was able to put Gibson and Koufax together because they are legendary Hall of Famers and, and just revered. And that day, I mean, within an hour or so of us doing the show, the news came across that Bob Gibson at 84, I believe, had yeah. died. So it was, it was so odd and so, he was great. Just an overpowering, dominating, mean pitcher. He backed yeah. you off the plate. People were afraid. People were afraid of Bob Gibson. And justifiably, he was tremendous. I heard one story that a player that he used to play against came to his house and Gibson answered the door wearing glasses. And they said, I, Bob, you wear glasses? Don't you, don't you need them on the mound? He's like, probably. <laughs> to further intimidate yeah. people. Yeah, I can't really see, but I'm throwing it 100 yeah. miles an hour. Just great. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Lincoln Financial ad. Um, hey, everyone, this new world we're living hey. in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest, Bob Gibson being an example of that, to how to make sourdough bread, which I say all the time. My daughter came with sourdough bread and focaccias. Nigel is a recipient of a focaccia. These Very are made exciting. from scratch. They're wonderful beyond words. To how excited we are that football is finally back. And trust me, that last one's important. Although from the site survey we had with everybody not watching football last night, I don't know how important it is. And then the script says, I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. My dog has annoyed me and annoyed everybody else lately. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still haven't had, which is your financial plans. So find time to talk to your loved ones about it, because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. And that's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at lincolnfinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's the title of the tune. Back in my day. This is from Hope Levy, whose music we have played before. She has a CD called Far Sorry, S-A-W-R-E-Y. She's going to play two tunes today, Back in My Day and Never Going to Let You Go. 
and she plays in Michael Wilbon. You are where now physically? You're where? Scottsdale, Arizona. And you are, so it's real early in the morning there. You had so... I'm talking to you during, I'm, I'm sitting in the moonlight, the moonlit, the oh. moonlit uh, patio at my, at my, at the home here. Moonlit. Wow. Very eerie, but beautiful. It's, it's unbelievably beautiful right now. It looks like just to the, to the, to the naked eye, particularly one just waking up, it looks like there's a little snow covering over everything. Of course it's not. <laughs> it's going to be 97 degrees today here. It's, uh, it's, but it's the moonlight. So it's, it's a little early. Yeah. Yeah. It's my time. I'm out with a dog in the moonlight. There's the moon. There was a full moon about three nights ago, and the moon is still very big. You had. We all had so much to watch yesterday. We had the the three major sports. Um, well, we didn't have baseball yesterday. We will have baseball this week. Football and basketball. Let me let me start with. And I don't know how else to say this other than a surprising result in the basketball. Jimmy Butler, who said he would do it in game two, did it in game three. He was great, and he led, and you know, I think this, the better team, not the best players, but the better team out there, to what I think is a very surprising win without two of their starters. Miami went to two to one, and in a, in a series where there is no home court, and we don't know how that plays out exactly, but where there is no home court, Two to one, uh, that may be closer than we think, but I don't know when those guys are going to get back. This may be the one game they win. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, pretty much that, Tony. Um, Bam Adebayo's a, he's becoming a major player. I mean, he's, that's happened. You know, it, it happened in the regular season, and then it certainly happened in the bubble. He didn't take the jump, maybe the Luka Doncic took from season to bubble, but or that Jamal Murray took from season to bubble. But right. He, he's right there. He's right there. If you want to go all improved from March to August, I mean, Bam Adebayo's on that list. And so, yeah, I mean, to win without him last night, you know, you know, once again, you know who my favorite player in the NBA is? Jimmy yeah, Butler, I know. For a while, yeah. I know. And the night he was drafted, I love Jimmy Butler. And that's why, that's why Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler wasn't recruited by people. Jimmy Butler, when I, when I say recruit, yes, yes, he went to Marquette, he went to a big time basketball program, but Jimmy Butler wasn't anybody. He wasn't anybody on draft night. People didn't even know who he was on the night he was drafted. And I happened to, I happened to be in New York when he was drafted and, and got started talking to him, started listening to him, loved him instantly. And you know, he's he's maybe not ever going to be a, a superstar on the level of the guy he beat last night. But his, his his mission was, as difficult as his mission is, that night he accepted his mission. His mission was to chip away at LeBron James. That's why the Bulls drafted him. And other people have gotten him because they see that he has that tenacity. He has enough talent, and he has the intellect and tenacity and personality to be a legitimate tough guy, the kind of guy you used to. I always tell you, you love Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler's the kind of guy you covered in basketball. You know, there's not that. No, I I do. I love the way he plays because he is not a three point guy. He goes right to the basket and guards the toughest guy on the other side, and he All seems to be completely team oriented. Though, as I said earlier in this show, he has earned the right to freelance because he's their best player. He's their best player, yeah, he, so he can he do doesn't. that. 
I mean, he does. He goes to the basket. Goes to the basket. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were both saying at times he's he's got to be more selfish, and it's difficult for him to do that. Um, so you know, I I loved that game not because I'm I root for Jimmy Butler. I, I don't have anything against the Lakers. God knows. I mean, it's especially these Lakers. Um, so it, it was just a, it was an incredible game to watch. It's one of the great performances ever in the finals. Yes, ever. He, he, he he's on two lists this morning. One of them just like had him, Walt Frazier and Jerry West, and the other one had him, Wilt. And I forget who the third person is. Wilt was like four of them. And, and you're like, wow. I mean, the company he's keeping with that game last night is extraordinary. Can he, can he do that again? I, 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 don't, I don't know. That's I mean, what I'm going to ask you. You don't expect them. Well, you don't expect them to win. I don't expect it. I think they can win one more game. Do you? I mean, remember, Drogic is their leading scorer, Tony. That's right. Is Goran Drogic. It's a terrible loss, those guys. That's right. In a way, it's like last year's finals, and the injuries destroyed the finals. You know, and of course, they were more famous players because it was Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. This, this is, this is tough. I mean, for Miami, and and their toughness got them through that. And, And Jimmy Butler has people who will follow him, unlike, unlike the Minnesota Timberwolves. And when that went down, you know where I was on that. From the yeah, you were pro Butler. Down. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, not just pro. He, I, I knew he knew what he was doing and saying. And when he got out of Philly, he was like, you know, <laughs> this is not this is not working here because these guys are not the, the the personalities that I want to to throw in with to be in a ditch with. And that's the way he played the game. So I, I, I was, I, I just loved last night's game. I think, I think Miami can do it if Bam is back. I don't know what Dragic's situation is. If Bam comes back for Game Four, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can expect that. That just seems unreasonable. Right. Um, to go to baseball, and I've really enjoyed watching the baseball, even though my team, the Nationals, aren't in it. You had both Chicago teams in it, and they went out early. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? And the Chicago White Sox well, won the first game. Yeah, I mean, they're hitless wonders. I mean, they, they had limped into the postseason. The White Sox had lost 9 of 12. So the, the winning of Game Ooh. 1 in Oakland was something of a surprise. Yeah, 9 of 12. The White Sox, Tony, at one point, were the number one seed in the American League. At one point. Before they lost, let me, let me go there again, 9 of 12. They went from first seed, I think first. It, it, it could have been second, but I think it was first seed, to seventh in the final two weeks. But the Cubs couldn't hit all season. But, Tony, the Cubs have guys wearing World Series rings who are not yet in the prime. They're, they're just entering the primes of their careers. So 26, Rizzo, 27 Bryant. years old. Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, yeah. Schwarber. Yeah. I mean, these guys have war, World Series rings. Wilson Contreras. They're all-stars. Multiple-time all-stars in their mid-20s. And they couldn't hit 200 individually and collectively. 200. These guys were floating around the Mendoza line for the whole season. So you, you, you're asking you Darvish, who was pitching great. You, you're saying to him, you, you have to give up one run or none to win this game. Cause the Cubs can't, can't score twice. And that's what happened. So that team is going away. That team is, that team is all those guys, all those Chicago heroes who are going to be in major league baseball for 10 years. 
more, they're 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 going. They're going away. That that team. What about uh, what about your football team? Your football team. Well, I mean, what about Nick Foles, the great savior? Yeah, we knew at three and zero that they weren't three and zero. I mean, okay, but uh, the quarterback change was. You said to me that's totally set in stone. This other guy's not getting another chance. Trubisky. He's not. He's he's not getting. He he could. He's not getting another chance unless Foles is so ineffective that they just look like clowns for trotting him out there. I don't know that I expect that. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts. Let me just say because they're under. Rate the radar on ninety percent of people who follow, even who pretty good. follow football. They're but pretty that, good. That's pretty good. Their defense is number one in all the categories. Was was number one going in? Yes. Oh, okay. One, one like well, maybe three against the run, one against the pass, one total, one on third down. You know, allowance. It's it, it's 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 the number one defense in football, and it looked like it. You know, the Bears got a late touchdown when they were furiously trying to come back and then it wasn't about effort. They just, you know, that they're not, they're not any good. And so the three wins is really good, but I don't know. They, they got, they got Tampa this week. They're not going to beat Tampa. They're not beating them. So they're going to be three and two. And I haven't looked at the rest of the schedule, but they got the Packers twice, <laughs> you know, so um, they haven't played the Packers yet. So they're, they're you know, they're not, they're kind of frustrating to watch. And I don't have any expectations of them. I mean, the, the, both the Cubs and the Bears are the same team, except the Cubs had pitching, and they were well managed and well run and organized, and sort of loved each other and loved their 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 new manager who had been their catcher in the World Series season. They're the same as the Bears; they can't score. So it's like watching the same thing in two sports. So let me get to the NFL. Um, we had. No positive tests at all in hockey. Remarkable beyond words. But a few positive tests in basketball, but nothing that impeded the season. No, there were no positive had, tests in basketball once the butcher got I thought the there were some staff people. I thought there were staff I'm people. About, no, there weren't any players. No, there was nobody, okay. no one in the bubble tested. Then that's fine. In either then bubble. that's fine. Okay, again, the important word, bubble. Baseball mm-hmm. without a bubble had a couple of significant outbreaks. They had one in Miami and they had one in St. Louis. But remarkably, yeah. and I absolutely use that word, remarkably, they're now into a bubble and they're going to get through this and they got through it. The NFL had this explosion from Tennessee and then they had a star. Cam Newton's a star, the former MVP. Yeah. He's a star and he had it. What are your thoughts about football? And what they're going to do, and and even now to try to play this New England game tonight, tonight. I, Tony, they all made a commitment, um, and Adam Silver was the first one who who voiced it. He said we can't cancel the season if we have a few positive. Remember that when they came back, when they decided to do the bubble. That, yeah, they had different. That was his, they had contingencies. Yes, they did. Yes, he said we can't we can't shut down the season. If we're if we're going to shut down the season over a few positives, then we 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 can't go back. Well, I mean, the other sports have they take the same tap right now. They they put protocols in place. They also put measures in place. What here's what we're going to do when people test positive, because football's not in a bubble. So am I surprised? No. You how could you be surprised? No, no. It's amazing given the world we live in and the the people that we come in contact with, just the regular folk 
who are not professional athletes, but who are professional at something else in some other industry, it's amazing how many do test positive and, and, and football not. So I, I, you know, you sort of hold your breath and you hope that the season is not hijacked by it. Could it be? Yes, it could be. Um, I don't, I, you know, so, I don't have expectations. I, I don't, I just, I just watch and listen and react, but I don't know what to expect. I don't even know that they know what to expect. So here's so what I wonder about. And, yeah. I mean, I, I assume that they will play the new England game tonight. If nobody else on new England tests positive, I assume that, although that doesn't mean right. that people aren't so, carrying yeah. this, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I would ask this, if you have these outbreaks, and I think baseball faced this as well. And if, if you can sort of ascertain that the team was delinquent in following protocols, you know, Ooh. that they brought it wow. on them, you know, is, yeah. should you be punitive? Should you be punitive? Should you take away, should you find them, should you take away draft picks? Should, I don't know what you should do. Should you know. be punitive? Well, what do you I think? I don't think so. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, First of all, the presumption is what I don't know about. How do you know that a team was negligent? Like, well, I, I guess they can, you know, if they can find something on camera that they have, you know, if they can find that they're not wearing masks or they can find that, yeah, they, well, they that they've that. really violated. Like, I'm, I'm watching the game. I watched John Gruden yesterday, and John Gruden, who's apologized yeah. time and time again, yeah. still, had the, still had the mask on his right. chin. He did. Yeah. So, yeah, well, okay. And so, but that... I, First of all, okay, but that doesn't mean that John Gruden was a spreader. Oh, absolutely you know not. I, mean? I understand. So, so you, I understand. You can't follow, here's why I'm, I'm going back at the point that you made, that if the team is found to be negligent or not compliant yeah. enough, how about that? Well, right. you, you're going to follow every player home? You're going to follow every player out of the parking lot to, de- to determine how they got it? And, I mean, I don't, how much contact tracing can – I mean, you know – where are you going to follow every player? If a player goes to the dry cleaners to get his, if a single guy yeah, he goes I, to the dry I, cleaners, he goes to the grocery store. I mean, that, you can't, you can't, you can't make that, you can't determine that. Therefore, my answer is no. I mean, you can't be punitive. You can be punitive. So in hindsight, team. in hindsight, what I'm saying is, it's amazing that baseball got this far. They were not in a bubble. Yeah. It's yeah, amazing. The only was quoted as saying he thought it was a 90% chance <laughs> that they wouldn't get through it. I mean, at, right. at, at the start of it. And so it's it is amazing. amazing that they got through it. And it speaks to, uh, I think that all these teams, players, coaches, managers, staff, they should all be credited because clearly there's a level of discipline within that, within each one of those groups that is astonishing. The rest of the world ain't practicing that. That's certainly not. We, I mean, we, I went out. I, I I went to sit out at one of my favorite places here in Arizona with Robbie Petty, my dear friend, who you know. I and I was wondering what we were going to get. I, I knew Arizona wouldn't look like Washington and Chicago, which is the other the places I've spent. And New York. I mean, so I'm, I've been in three, you know, cities that are very blue. I mean, this is this is a this is a political issue as we know over the weekend reminded again more than it is anything else in terms of who behaves how that's right and living in living in washington and in chicago living there in both cities as i always do 
and then going to New York to do basketball telecast and being in the in the, in the Seaport South Seaport Studios, I saw the same thing play out. I saw the same sort of thing. You did not see a person without a mask. I did not see inside or outside. Outside, you can see somebody jogging by himself along the river, East River. Yes, you can see somebody, but you didn't see anyone encounter anybody without a mask. I did not encounter anyone without a mask in Arizona. I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, you know, this is not like Georgia. How about the how about the people in the stands at football? Did you see the University of Georgia's football game? Yeah, did you watch just, that? Yeah, that didn't watch all of it. To me, like thirty-five. But I mean, did you see enough to look at the I, stands when they showed it? Yes, I just that's too scary. I just don't get that it. Was, okay, so Arizona wasn't is wasn't that where I went, but I mean, I would say. 60 to 70 percent that means there's a lot of people not wearing not, not masks a lot if it's if you're saying 70 percent that stadium man sanford stadium which i've been in between the hedges just one of the most beautiful sporting venues on earth when i saw they had that many people and they're just there together i was like wow and so you know tony i mean so yes yeah, so foot so so basketball hockey they had to be commended, but they put something in place that you just couldn't violate. And it was smart. It was sound. It was perfectly executed on the part of both of those sports. Um, it's easier for tennis and golf, but not automatic. It's not a done deal. And they've gotten through it. And then for to have baseball get through it, I, I, I commend all those people for having that much discipline. Yeah. There's some good luck involved with a lot. A hell of a lot of discipline. I agree. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, getting up early to do this. We will take a break. Jeff Passan will join us, and we'll talk about baseball and the fact that baseball is going into a bubble and the fact that baseball had legitimate outbreaks and somehow, you know, only two teams were affected. It's very weird. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. For the second time today, we have Hope Levy. And she is singing a song called Never Gonna Let You Go. Again, her new album. A CD's an album, isn't it? Yeah, or is sure. an album is just a word for old people? Old people. Well, <laughs> CDs, though. Are CDs still being made? Oh, gosh. You know, I mean. Yes, they are. But they're not like, like my car. I don't even have a CD player in my car. I wanted a tape player. I don't. I don't. I looked. I checked. Hope Levy from her new CD, Far Sorry, F-A-R-S-A-W-R-E-Y, and she's on Spotify and CD Baby. What's that? Apple Music, Bandcamp.com. Michael, if people like Hope Levy want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Jeff Passan is with us, and we are going to devote ourselves for a little bit to baseball. And I mean, the first question that I had is a sort of overall question. I just we were just talking with Michael Wilbon. Baseball was not in a bubble. They're in a bubble now. Baseball had two outbreaks. You know, Miami was pulling guys in off the street. Miami and St. Louis had legitimate outbreaks, just like the Tennessee Titans in football. Uh-huh. Is baseball happy? Baseball must be thrilled. They got through this. Jeff, I don't think anybody really thought they'd get through this in the time allotted. Did you? I remember hearing, I think it was Keith Olbermann, 
say baseball has a 0.0% chance <laughs> of crowning a champion this year. And and I do not mean to point out Keith as the only one because right. he was not. He was just the the clearest and and as Keith often tends to be, uh the loudest saying this. And there were people inside of baseball, Tony, who said, you know, what What are we doing? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to accomplish? And through the sheer force of of Will and, and Rob Manfred's stubbornness, baseball forged ahead. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to sit here and, and say this was like Rob Manfred's thing all by himself, but he was the loudest voice in baseball's room saying, we're going to try and get this thing done. And they actually did it. And, and I think that what the NFL is doing right now is modeled on what baseball did. Uh, you know, they are saying that we don't have to shut things down. We can play fire drill and and you know shuffle the shuffle the chairs and yes. figure out yeah. the schedule and make this thing actually work because the alternative is just not a palatable thing for us. I, I mentioned the two teams that had the outbreaks and, and Miami was first and Miami missed a lot of games. Miami's in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Do I have to rethink what I thought about Derek Jeter? Can you? I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying they're a great team, although they're in the playoffs in the into the second round. They're, they're a 500 team, but they were pulling guys off the street. What do you make of what they did? It's a combination of two things. Number one, the short season uh, can can really wipe away a lot of a team's ills. And in the case of the Marlins, uh, those ills are a lack of really strong position players. But, but you look, Tony, around the rest of the sport, and, and the offense for a lot of playoff teams was not all that great. The expanded playoffs are, are another part of that uh, as well. But, but really the answer is they've got some good pitching, man. Like, if you saw what they did to the Chicago Cubs in the first round, and it's interesting to see where they got this from. Um, they got Sandy Alcantara in, in a trade from the St. Louis Cardinals when they were dumping Marcelo Zuna, and he was their game one starter who pitched so well against the Cubs. They got Sixto Sanchez in a trade from the Philadelphia Phillies when they were dumping JT Real Muto. And he was absolutely lights out in game two. So when you look back on some of these trades that they made, because remember, we can play that whole game with the Marlins. If they didn't trade anybody, yeah. they'd have had yeah. Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, and Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. Uh, and they'd have had all these, you know, Luis Castillo, who was brilliant for the, the Reds this year. They'd have had all these guys. Uh, but they did make these trades as they were retooling, and they hit on a few of them. And and when you trade stars, you need to hit on guys, and you need to draft well and develop well. And in the Marlins, things are finally coming together. They they also play in a division that has the Mets and the Phillies, Tony. 
I mean, you know, okay. is there anything more that needs to be said? The baseball is going to move into a bubble now, and the bubble has worked for hockey, and the bubble has worked for basketball. So I assume you think it'll be smooth sailing now for the rest of the playoffs. It's a it's a it's a baby bubble. I like the bubbles that the NHL and the NBA have done are different than baseball's bubble. Baseball's bubble consists of them being relegated to hotels and stadiums. And uh, they've bought out these hotels in the four cities that they're in right now. There is going to be travel, though. You know, the teams that win in Los Angeles and Houston are still going to have to go to San Diego and Arlington, Texas, respectively. The team that then wins in San Diego is going to have to fly to Arlington. So it's not like they're completely mitigating travel here. But right. I think what I think what baseball illustrated over the last four or so weeks of its regular season is that they are capable enough of being disciplined in a following protocols to prevent the sort of catastrophic outbreaks that happened in the cases of the Marlins and the Cardinals. That you know, they learned their lessons. They figured it out. They 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 did it. Like they actually fulfilled what they were supposed to do, and that is why the season was finished. And, and just going back to your original question, Tony, I don't want to—I uh, don't want to take myself out of this. I was—I was skeptical. Like going into the season, I had cautious optimism. By the time the Cardinals outbreak happened, the second within a week, and when Rob Manfred was calling Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, and saying, "If we don't get our stuff straight," I'm going to need to shut this thing down. I was like, this, you know, the yeah. chances of the season being finished. If two teams can't survive two weeks, how are 30 teams going to survive nine? No, I, yeah, I get that. By the way, just on a, on a side note, my son is curious in the San Diego, is that the Four Seasons Aviara? Is that one of the hotels? Carlsbad. In, you know, that, that they're going to be at. Do you know the hotels? Oh, the Shared Yankees. That is, one of, the, that is one of the hotels. Yeah, that's Tyler. sweet. That hotel is sweet. I've been to that hotel. They have it's, enough conference centers for them to separate. It's really nice. Just if you get a chance and you want to go to that one, Jeff, I would say that's that's nice. Yeah, Tony, I, a, I would have loved to go to San Diego. Not happening. No, I'm, I'm yeah. the guy who got, uh, who got sent to Texas for three weeks. So there we All go. All right. Let me get to uh, a bunch of things. Um the new rules, the new order in baseball. 16 teams out of 30 made the playoffs. That's the same as in the NBA. It's too many teams as far as I'm concerned. What are the chances that's adopted? Not happening. I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be 14, it might be 12. Um it, I didn't mind the 16 um in in how it played out. Like, I thought there were some intriguing matchups. I enjoyed the fact that we had baseball every hour of the day. Yeah, it was great. That was great. great. Um, But over a 162-game season, first-place teams uh, and or division winners need to have demonstrable playoff advantages. And playing three games at home in a pandemic where there's no crowd and no home field advantage was not enough. Okay. Seven-inning doubleheaders and starting a man at second base in the 10th. 
What do you think? Will they adopt it? I think they're probably going to adopt the starting the man at second base. That, I think, is here to stay. I don't know that the doubleheader rule is all that important going forward because I think that, uh, you know, fingers crossed once the vaccine arrives, uh, owners almost got rid of the doubleheader and made it a, uh, you know, extinct to begin with because they don't like having fans uh, see two games for the price of one. So mm-hmm. I don't see double, I don't see the seven inning double header thing, uh, necessarily coming to fruition, but I, I felt like it was almost a test run for the idea. Tony, uh, is seven inning every game, a possibility and five or 10 years down the road, if they can't get the time and pace of game under control, it would not shock me if they tried to to make a push to see if that is a reality. Okay, this is a, a larger question than that, um, and it involves labor peace. This season was imposed <laughs> was imposed upon the players. It did take a remarkable amount of cooperation from all the players and all the owners to do this. Um, so showing that it can be done. Is does that lay the groundwork for something less antagonistic, or do you believe it will be totally contentious again? If it is not a bloodbath, Tony, I will come back on this podcast and <laughs> sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. I mean, yeah, okay. it, that's just, what I thought. It, it, and it's all, the problem is, is it's only going to be reinforced this offseason. Tony, I'm already hearing it from free agents to be. What's my market going to be like? Am I going to get this much? I say no. They say why. I say, well, clubs say it's the pandemic. And they say, well, can't they defer money? And I say, well, yeah, they could, but I don't think that means that they're going to. And they say, well, that's not right. And I say, yeah, you're you're not wrong, but a market is a market. Like there's there's nothing as long as teams are not getting together and saying that we are setting a market at a particular place. It's hard to argue with what the market says. That is what you collectively bargained for. That is what you negotiated for. And it's only going to leave more players, Tony, pissed off. And we already have players who who look at this situation and and say that we have been getting dealt a bad hand for half a decade plus now. And, and we look back, even though this season was played, Rob Manfred implemented it. He and, did. And yes, he did. Feel, and, and we feel like that he did not negotiate in good faith. I mean, let, let's remember, like, those words were uttered time and again from players. Lack of good faith in negotiations. If they can't negotiate in good faith to start a season during a pandemic, do you think they're going to negotiate in the middle of an economic downturn? It's just a – it's a – it's a pipe dream. And and listen, pipe dreams have happened. I just don't see that being the case here. 
I will get you out of here on this, and it's the easy question. It's when the World Series happens, which two teams do you think are going to be in it? And, of course, we would all love to see Houston and the Dodgers, but which two teams do you think would be in it? I'm going chalk here, and I know it's easy to say, but the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays, to me, have been the two best teams this season. Are, are I'm not going to call them, Tony, the two most talented teams. I think the Dodgers definitely are the most talented team. I don't know that the Rays are the most talented. I think you can make a great argument that they extract the most from the talent that they do have. And so uh, I, I think that everything lines up for them to play one another. And I think the, the Rays going against the Yankees in a, in a shorter series where the Yankees pitching issues could potentially be exposed. You know, you wonder how much trust Aaron Boone has in his bullpen. You wonder how deep their rotation goes. Nobody manages a bullpen better than Kevin Cash, the Rays manager. And and the Dodgers are, are getting the Padres, who I think may have been the greatest threat in all of baseball to them winning the World Series at a time when the the questions about the Nelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger yeah, are, are yeah. strong enough where even if you get them, you don't know if they're going to be anywhere close to full strength. You don't know how long you're going to have them for. And, and that lack of that one-two punch. I mean, what San Diego did in the division series, Tony, was remarkable. I mean, Jace Tingler smoke and mirrored his way through three games there. He, he, he ran three bullpen games out there, and they won that series. But – I just think the Dodgers are too strong for them, too strong, honestly, for everyone. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, as always. My pleasure, Tony. Take care, buddy. Jeff Passon, boys and girls, we will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Day High School in South Carolina. It's lovely. Just lovely. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. we got the bagel sandwiches this morning. Very exciting. It's a big uh, day. But, yeah, big day for us. Yes. <laughs> location nearest yeah. you. Just go online to uh, BethesdaBagels.com. they got several locations around the D.C. area. So check them out. You'll love them. I guess that's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say I'm very excited to announce that my house will be on the cover of Life magazine. After purchasing some beautiful aluminum siding from a very charming salesman, our house is going to be the after picture in their Home and Beauty series. That's when you watch Tin Man. Tin yes. Man is the second in the trilogy, uh, the Baltimore movies, Diner, Tin Man, and Avalon. Tremendous movies. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jeff Passan. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, Lincoln Financial and Grammarly. Remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Adam Fishman, after hearing Friday's email from Jonathan Bannett, I was overjoyed to hear Michael anoint me as the official Tony Kornheiser Show golf instructor. 
to the stars. I've always been amazed at the connective tissue of this show and was blown away to hear that someone else other than my first tee class last Monday would find my story about Jack Vardaman's accomplishments impactful enough to send in such an amazing email. As far as Spike Braun goes, I've recently started working with him again as Michael's advice on a new iron set and a couple of lessons with me has led to a breakthrough in his golf game. His father, on the other hand, may be hopeless with that dreaded snap hook he often displays. <laughs> Being the show's official golf instructor of the stars comes with amazing perks as I value my blue chatter t-shirt and this show stinks bracelet more than any other award that I've gotten in my 27 years as a golf pro. Isn't that nice? From Jason Blazer in Lake Orion, Michigan. While waxing about the great Jack Vardaman, you mentioned that playing Augusta is every person's dream. So I decided to run it past the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. Her response was, what's Augusta? So that's what I'm dealing with. From Dr. Joel Pereira, 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 Drexel University, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. May I have permission to formally nominate Steal the Bacon for induction into the Toy Hall of Fame? It fits all the, the criteria. Icon status, the toy is respected and remembered since you forget everything that's happened to you the fact that you remember playing steal the bacon clears that bar longevity the toy has enjoyed popularity over multiple generations yes children from the 1880s to 1930s have loved steal the bacon discovery the toy fosters creativity or discovery through play can you name another game with such a range of strategy from run faster or get the big kid uh, and hit the other team how many ballots do you think it will take there's tough competition from stick and with string attached and don't forget sand that's Sam a game, Leonard, not a toy. Sam Leonard, yes, in Sacramento. The pin doesn't have the resume to get it on its own. Sam Leonard, Sacramento, California, at Camp Bowercrest, a premier overnight sports summer camp for Jewish boys, as stated on their website. Some years ago, two rival bunks lined up across from each other to play Steal the Bacon. I don't recall the reason, but upper management wasn't around that morning, so various CIs, that's counselors in training, I guess, or counselors, intermediate counselors, and the like were in charge of the day's activities. It was decided by a boy no older than 16 that would be in full contact steal the bacon. <laughs> Things started out well enough with the occasional forearm shiver and maybe a tweaked ankle. As the game continued and the combatants grew possibly more irritated and exhausted, dragging an opponent to your end line takes considerably more stamina than the normal scamper. Things began to get a little out of hand. Eventually there was a player down on the field and he wasn't getting up. That day, a young Jewish boy was sent home for the summer with torn knee ligaments and dashed dreams of color war. Which phone call was worth, worse, the counselor to the camp director or the camp director to the parents who were three days into a two-week rental on the Cape? I don't recall playing Steal the Bacon again after that. <laughs> Brian Hoffman in New York. With the Padres win on Friday night, all eight losing teams in the wild card round are from the Midwest. The Cardinals, St. Louis, the Reds, Cincinnati, the Brewers, Milwaukee, the Cubs and White Sox, Chicago, the Twins, Minneapolis, the Indians from Cleveland, and lastly, the Blue Jays from Toronto. From John Kiselica in Jupiter, Florida, which he signs right around the corner from Orchids of Asia. I was minding my business playing wagers on the Preakness Stakes, placing wagers on the Preakness Stakes at a local dog track when I came across this long shot in the eighth race. Though none of the dog touts in the Palm Beach Kennel Club agreed, I told them that's an easy bet. Despite the announcer mispronouncing her name as Chessie to start, Chessie went on to win and pay out at 18 to 1. Those who doubted my confidence in the Frisbee devouring canine were met with the TK salute. From Bob Boxwell in Lusby, Maryland, I just had my David Aldridge moment. Pancakes contest in Luxby. We don't have an IHOP, but I live in Lusby, Lusby, and make a really good blueberry pancake. Nigel, you've mentioned that Reginald and Dexter Manley were hanging out there, right? 
Yes, I believe uh, for a pancake eating contest, the Dexter ate 473, as I recall. Joe Rizzo, we'll finish with this. Joe Rizzo in Oak Hill, Virginia. My son Joe is a minor leaguer in the Mariners system, reaching high A last year and targeted for double A ball this summer. And to say this has been a difficult summer is an understatement. He just missed out on being brought up to the alternate site, which of course was a 50-50 shot. So he's had to continue his work in Northern Virginia while I had to come out of my five-year retirement to reprise my role as baseball dad, much to the chagrin of my work schedule and my right shoulder. Now, there was a time when I would provide on-field baseball guidance to him, covering all aspects of the game, but this pretty much dissipated as he played high school ball, and of course, now he has zero tolerance for anything I have to say. As a result, I'm relegated to feeding the pitching machine, hitting fungos, etc., all in absolute silence. Thankfully, he's been called up to play in the Fall Instructional League, and I just dropped him off at Dulles for his flight to Phoenix. I pulled up in the drop-off zone. He took his gear out of the trunk. We said our goodbyes until mid-November. But the baseball dad and me couldn't resist. I just had to pass on some words of wisdom to him, regardless of how he would react. So as he walked away, I called out to him. He stopped, turned his head, and as the crowd around him seemingly parted like the Red Sea, I shouted, Use the code! That's fabulous. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black and yellow. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Back in my day, a cup of coffee was a dollar. We didn't walk around with water. We weren't in such a hurry. Back in my day.
My middle age, my dreams were gone. 